You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Archaeotech Podcast, episode 89. I'm your host, Chris Webster, with my co-host, Paul Zimmerman. Today, we talk about all the new things from Apple in September 2018. Let's get to it. All right, Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing today, Chris? Not too bad. Not too bad. So we decided to sort of cancel the app of the day segment since we're going to talk all apps and hardware today. Um, I know some of our Android fans, you can probably just shut the podcast off right now because. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why? Tell I know. Why. No, hey, we got our download statistic. You're listening. So that's good. Thank you for that. Um, but it's going to be all Apple today because Apple, I mean, I would do this after the Google announcement that's usually in the summertime, but it's usually just not as earth shattering. You know what I mean? Like, and not, not to say that Apple is earth shattering, but Apple likes to do a lot of stuff all at once, which makes it really easy to talk about in the context of a technology show like this. And since a lot of people do use Apple products, we're going to talk about some important things that um, I think will uh, will help people that don't keep up on this uh, on this industry like like some of us do. So. But just to lay it all out there, what we're going to talk about is uh, from a software standpoint, they released iOS 12, uh, which is the new operating system. They released uh, Watch OS 5, which is obviously an Apple Watch. TV OS was updated. I don't, I, can't, I don't know what the numbering is even on that. So if you have an Apple TV, that was updated. And then, of course, for uh, desktops, computers and laptops, they upgraded to Mojave. Um, I can't remember what number that is either. Uh, that's 10.14. 14. Okay. That's what was my guess. So uh, so a lot of new stuff on the software side. And and then, like we've said before, anytime you have a whole number upgrade, that's a major upgrade to the software. You're usually going to see some design changes. You're usually going to see some background uh, stuff happening, like better battery life, things like that. And then you might see some new programs, you might see some new functionality, all that's going to come with a whole number upgrade. And for the operating system for Mac OS, the 10.14, that 14 is for all intents and purposes, a whole number upgrade. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, they haven't upgraded the 10 part in a really long time. Well, in 14 versions, you know, so since the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, that's when they went to the current format of their operating system. If they were going to change everything completely and just go to a 100% new look and the way the desktop feels, that would be the 10 changing to something else, maybe even 20. I doubt they'd go to 11. I mean, they would change it dramatically for that number to change. So the 14, for all sense purposes, even though it's 10.14, is a whole number upgrade. So massive change to the operating system. So, yeah, let's talk about the thing. I want to talk about something real quick because this will impact probably more people in our audience than the other news will. So we'll get it out of the way right away. Paul, you've got an iPhone 6, not a 6S. It's a 6. Yeah, it's or- a straight 6. It's uh, okay. it's a pretty old phone. And uh, every time I talk about it on the show, I've been saying I call it my old slow iPhone <laughs> 6. And uh, I, and that's important, actually, with uh, with respect to this new iOS 12. Yeah, because I I heard from a friend of mine that was in here just before we started recording, I hadn't actually seen this report, that iOS 12, now usually when you do a whole number upgrade to your operating system, people will say, watch your older devices because they're they're usually not supported. And the new operating system requires typically faster processors and things like that to operate. But the one thing they do pretty well at Apple, and it sounds like they did this, um, they did this with this number as well, except better is they'll often go in and clean up the code quite a bit, which when you Mm -hmm. clean up the code and you make things more efficient or you invent new ways to do things that are just 
more efficient. And that they do that. I mean, their self-serving purpose is to do that to increase battery life and to, you know, just make all your processes run smoother when they clean up the code. But that has the knock-on effect of making those older devices that are just have slower processors because they're older actually run better. And they said that the 6S is the one I heard about is actually running better on iOS 12 than it was on iOS 11. And it seems like you're experiencing a little bit of that in the short time you've been with it. Yeah. So uh, I installed uh, I installed iOS 12 on my, on my phone last week, right when it came out. And it did a few funny things right at the start. It, it crashed on me a couple of times. I thought, uh-oh. Uh, but since then, it's been absolutely rock solid. I think I've gotten slightly better battery life than before. And um, and yeah, things are just a little snappier, a little quicker to load. Mm. The camera's more responsive. That's noticeable. It was important to me because I had to, uh, we got rid of a lot of old equipment today. And so I had to scan a bunch of, uh, take photographs of a bunch of serial numbers off the backs of equipment. Mm. And uh, and I could just go do, 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 do much more quickly than I could before. Uh, so, you know, day-to-day kinds of stuff, it, it definitely feels like an improvement. Normally mm-hmm. what Apple does when they make a big jump on their uh, iOS software is that older hardware, like my phone, won't get all the goodies. Uh, you know, so there'll be certain parts, animations that are left off. There's certain things. It'll run more slowly. And so they'll compromise on uh, on some of the features that you get in order to run the software, the operating system reasonably on that older equipment. But this one here, it really looks like they focused on speed and efficiency first. Uh, and I haven't dug into it deeply enough to know what I didn't get along with mm-hmm. it that somebody with a newer phone would have. But so far, so good. Um, you know, thumbs up. Well, great. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's really surprising to me um, to hear that as well. And let me pull up the uh, on my computer here the Apple page right now. So it's it's really interesting that the six got so much better, and people are saying that because the only supported phones, and when I say supported, the only ones they sell right now is the iPhone seven, the iPhone eight, and then the new iPhone tens, uh, the 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 XR or the ten R. I call it the tenor um, <laughs> or the XS, which I think was a terrible naming structure. I mean, people are already talking about how big it is and it's the XS, really. You don't think they did that deliberately? I mean, maybe, but, you know, who knows? Um, and then the XS Max, which is just like, let's just take this to a new level. <laughs> XS Max plus Supreme. Right. So I have the iPhone 10 still uh, that came out last year and they just took it off the lineup completely, which they, they often will do. With an S upgrade, they'll often remove the one before that because the S is kind of the new one. Because unlike operating systems, when they add an S to a device um, and they usually add maybe something else, that's not a whole number up change typically, you know, uh, up change. That's not a whole number upgrade typically. So when they come out with the iPhone 11, I don't know what they're going to call it, but maybe they'll call it the 11, whatever the new one is in a year, that will be a significant change to the hardware on the iPhone. So um, since I'm since I'm bringing this up, let's let's talk about this right now. So the iPhone, they they released three new models: the XR, um, the XS, and the XS Max. And the XR and the um, and the XS are about the same size as the iPhone 10 was. And then the XS Max is similar in size to the 8 Plus. You know, the big the big style phone, like uh, similar to Samsung um, Galaxy, uh, what the Samsung Seven or Eight or Nine or whatever it is. I don't know. The, that typical style of phone, that six and a half inch size, that's what the big the XS Max is. But the difference is, uh, it's full screen now, so there's no bezel on it, there's no anything. It's it's edge to edge, top to bottom, uh, side to side screen, and that's what they did. So just like the iPhone 10, 
except now you just bumped up the screen size. And that's one of the big things I wanted to talk about was from what I've heard, the reviews I've read, uh, if you have an iPhone 10 currently, then there's no real particular reason for you to upgrade to the new iPhone, any of the ones in the X line uh, right now, because they didn't change the processor. There's small, small, small incremental changes, um, but essentially it's got the same processor. Essentially it's got the similar battery life. All that has a minor improvements, but not enough to make a massive change. Um, and then there's obviously the biggest change is you can now have a massive device that's full screen. So if you're doing a lot of video watching or maybe you're doing some programs, like you can do some editing and stuff on these things. If you're doing a lot of that, you might need the new screen real estate with the same processor. And that might be a reason for you to upgrade. But if you're upgrading because you think you're going to get a massive hardware improvement, you're really just not, it's not, it's not worth it, which, which is a benefit to me because apparently I screwed up when I bought my 10 last year. I thought I was on the AT&T plan where I could upgrade every year. But apparently I'm not, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm on a longer one than I assume. So I'm actually not eligible for upgrade unless I paid $500 to pay out my contract. If I'm not eligible for upgrade until April, which means you'd be stupid to upgrade this in April. So, you know, just wait until September, get back on cycle and then get the new one when it comes out. Um, and that's probably what I'm, well, that is what I'm going to do because I don't, I'm happy with my iPhone 10. I don't see a need to, uh, to upgrade. I'm sure a bigger screen would be better, but that's only because, with my hands, my wife's iPhone 8 Plus actually fits better in my hands than my 10 does. I just like it better. And mm. uh, I wish I had that size of phone regardless of the screen size. But that being said, I'm super happy with the iPhone 10 the way it is. It's, it's really fast. It's great. Takes awesome photographs and, uh, and does everything I, I need it to do, quite frankly. So um, the other one I'll talk about real quick is the XR. It's basically the slightly less expensive model of the iPhone 10. Um, still the same size, but it comes in multiple colors. And that's they've done that before in the past too. I think the 5R was one of those that you could get in like pink or something like that. So it's not even available for pre-order yet until October 19th uh, and then available at the end of October if you're watching this in real time. Uh, currently, we are recording, just so you guys are all up on timeframes, we're recording on September 25th, 2018, in case you're watching this way into the future and you're like, iPhone 10, I've got an iPhone 30. So... <laughs> But yeah, so that's the big thing. I don't know if you've heard anything different, Paul, uh, about upgrades and whether or not people should do it. No, I haven't. But I wanted to actually ask you a question, tying this back into uh, archaeology, uh, is that you know when we talk about taking electrons into the field, a lot of what we talk about are, uh, are tablets. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of these phones are fairly large. Uh, do you think that, they, that the larger size phones are, access, are acceptable replacements for tablets for most purposes for archaeologists? Or do you think that the tablet serves a particular need that can't be satisfied by something smaller? That is a fantastic question. And I was just talking to a potential WildNote client about this very thing. So it really depends on what you're doing. If you're doing a lot of survey, a lot of field survey, where you're just either walking through the desert or you're doing shovel testing or something like that, and really what you're recording are photographs and textual information, then any size phone will be just good, just good enough. You honestly don't need a tablet. Um, in the past, you might need a tablet because maybe the battery lasts longer or you've got a higher memory capacity on it or something like that. Mm-hmm at least in the Apple line, but that's actually no longer true either. First off, Apple hasn't updated the iPad mini line uh, since 2015. And there's question on whether they're ever going to. They still sell the iPad mini for, but you know, it hasn't been updated in a really long time <laughs> in Apple yeah. standards. And so that doesn't bode well for that device unless they're looking at a, a serious change on it. But the thing is, I do most of my recording on my iPhone. 
And I like just being able to, I can actually type way faster. I don't need a keyboard, you know, it's just like texting. You can do whatever you want with that. And it's, uh, and it's super fast. So, um, so that works for me. Now, if you're doing a lot of excavation and you're still going digital with your excavation first, congratulations. That's amazing. Um, second, you might want the larger device, which means uh, uh, iPad mini or some sort of seven inch tablet or the larger tablets because you're going to be doing some sketching. And if you're drawing, you're going to want something bigger to draw on. Um, uh, that's at least my opinion. You can, of course, do it on the smaller devices, but it's just going to be easier with a larger device. And especially the iPad Pros, um, not the 12-inch. I've got a 12-inch, but even the, the smaller 10-inch um, ones, the 9.7 inches, and you can use the, iP- the Apple Pencil. Sketching with that thing is phenomenal. Uh, the pencil is so responsive, and it feels like you're just... The only difference between that and a pencil is the resistance on the screen. Like, you don't feel that resistance that paper gives you, which sometimes is nice and comforting, but you get used to sketching with the pencil and the tablet, and it just works really, really well. I've got a whole webinar over at Team Black on illustrating with tablets, and I just did a a class with a person here in town on that, and she was just amazed at what you could do with the right program with that pencil and that tablet. It's phenomenal. So... So yeah, I would say if you're if you're currently working on an older older device or even maybe an iPhone 10, some of the archaeology specific upgrades that came to it is uh, is the larger screen, so that's going to be beneficial. Maybe you can work with that if you get the 10s Max, but also the larger hard drive space. I mean, you shouldn't go too long with you know without uploading photos and things like that. But the new 10, the new line, and I think it's just the 10s Max. I'm not sure if the 10s comes like this, but they come in a 512 gigabyte model. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's so huge. Mine is a 256 right now. And I haven't come close to filling it up. And I don't I don't bother taking anything off of this. I mean, a project stuff for sure, but everything else, I just load it up. And uh, 512, I can't even imagine. It's just so big. Of course, you're gonna pay $1,500 for that, more than a lot of people pay for their laptops. But, you know, it's basically a computer in your pocket that you don't ever have to take anything off of ever again. It's all right there. For comparison, the uh, the base for most of Apple's laptops with SSDs is 256 gigs. That's what mine is. The one I'm recording this on right now is a 256 gig SSD. <laughs> and Likewise. and my phone, my phone sitting right next to it is, you know, obviously it's about the size of the hard drive in this computer. And I don't know how that technology works. How can they put a, a solid state inside of a phone that's 256 and they put one in a computer and it's got to be the size of the phone? You know, that's just weird to me the way those technologies don't cross over more. Anyway, the other final thing I'll mention is the newer iPhones are supposed to be IP67 for water and dust proofing, um, which is the same rating that the iPhone 10 has, but it's supposed to be just a little bit better. You know, they've improved the seals on it. They, people have already done teardowns of this thing, and all the seals internally are, are better. It's not enough to give it an IP68 rating, which means you can submerge it pretty much indefinitely. But uh, IP67 is still pretty good. It means you can drop it in a creek. You can um, drop it in a pile of dust, you know, whatever you want. And it's going to be fine. In fact, if you get your phone dirty, you can rinse it under the sink, underwater, and just clean it out. And you're not going to hurt it. So, but the IP68 allows you to put like serious water pressure on it. Uh, whereas IP67 means if your sink is one of those high pressure faucets or something, you could actually penetrate uh, some of the seals with that water if it's directly into one of them. So, you know, be careful with that, but you can rinse it with light water. So anyway, that should all be better for field work. If you think you're in the market for a, for an iPhone 10s or 10s max. <laughs> yeah, that might be my next phone when this one finally uh, gets phased out from the, the uh, software side, which is yeah. usually what happens. I mean, that's what 
uh, either you're somebody like you that wants the uh, the latest hardware generally, or somebody like me who's happy to have hardware until uh, the software supersedes it and it doesn't install mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, and so seeing that this latest OS installed on my iPhone 6 was kind of a pleasant surprise and mm-hmm. made it run better is a really pleasant surprise. But, you know, I'm not holding my breath for uh, iOS 13 to, uh, yeah. to install it at all. And at that point, I'll probably be looking at a new phone and maybe it'll be that, that 10s. Yeah. And, you know, the cool thing is uh, th- that it's working so well on your phone because, uh, you know, like when iOS 11 was upgraded to last year from iOS 10, that's when they made the requirement that apps switch from 32-bit to 64-bit. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason for that personally was to clean up the app store because there's so much on there that just is unsupported. And I've had, you know, every time I get a new phone, I, I reload the phone from an older backup, which means I get apps loaded onto there that are um, possibly not even purchasable in the app store anymore. Mm-hmm. But when you go to click on it and use it, it says this app is no longer supported and just deletes it off your phone. <laughs> so <laughs> so if app developers, you know, they come on a pretty tight cycle when they're, they're trying to get stuff going and maybe they don't support it forever if it doesn't become popular. If it's just meandering along, it's not worth it for them to keep it going. So you might still be using it, but it's unsupported. And at some point, the software operating system is going to upgrade to where that app no longer works, which is what happened with iOS 11. Now, with iOS 12, you saying it working better on a six-line phone, it makes me wonder if, since all the apps that are compatible with iOS 12 should also be working along the same standard, if that'll make apps run better that maybe weren't running better on on your phone as well, or if the apps are still going to keep on upgrading beyond the capabilities of the older operating systems. I don't really know. That'd be an interesting question to look at in the next few months. From past history, I would guess the latter. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would guess that as well. So, all right. Well, we're up against our first break, so let's do that, and we'll come back and talk about the, uh, the desktop operating system a little bit. But first, we'll talk about the new watch, the Apple Watch 4. We'll do that right after the break. Hey, podcast fans and digital archaeologists. Have you heard about WildNote? It's a data collection app that works online or offline on your smartphone or tablet, iOS, or Android. It allows you to collect field data easily, manage data efficiently, and generate data reports and site records effortlessly. We have a growing list of state site forms built in for your use and some generic forms that will work anywhere. Check out the shovel testing and photograph forms. You can get a free all-access 30-day trial today by going to wildnoteapp.com. That's wildnoteapp.com for your free 30-day trial. of the webinars and training offered by the big organizations not being free for members and not really covering what we need? Team Black has the answers. Check out arccert.black forward slash main for our upcoming webinar schedule. All of our webinars happen once a month and seating is limited. Learn everything from field tech basics to drones to digital workflows. We have more classes coming online every month. Classes are always one hour and cost just $20. Classes like building a CV and getting a job are always free. That's right. We'll help you get a job, then we'll be here when you want to level up your skills. If you are a professional subscriber to the APN at arcpodnet.com slash members, then you get all of Team Black's offerings for free as part of your membership. We have Team Black memberships coming that will give the same for the APN. So $20 a month gets you all the APN swag and extras plus free training from Team Black. 
So check out arccert.black for more information and level up your skill set today. That's arccert.black. This network is listener-supported. We're trying to move away from paid advertising while also creating new shows and supporting the ones we have. The APN has never and will never make a serious profit on our podcast. Every little dime we make goes back into the network and improving show quality. So become a member today at www.arcpodnet.com slash members to show your support, get some extras, and be a benefactor for archaeological education. Members get stickers, a coffee mug, a t-shirt, bonus content, early access to episodes, a private Slack team to talk to other members and the hosts, and full access to training on Team Black over at arccert.black. So check out our memberships at www.arcpodnet.com slash members today and support archaeological education. That's www.arcpodnet.com slash members. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the uh, Apple Tech, I'm sorry, Archaeotech uh, podcast 89, <laughs> episode 89. <laughs> um, that was on purpose. Fanboys uh, only required to listen now. That's right. That's right. So... Uh, as you heard in the last segment, this is all about the new Apple release in September of 2018, uh, as they do every year. Uh, you know, before I talk about the watch, I got to say one little thing that kind of upset me this year. Usually they do their keynote on Monday, uh, where they, they do it at Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time from uh, the Bay Area in California. This time they did it from the Apple campus, uh, which I think is the first time they've done the September keynote from the Apple campus at the new Steve Jobs Theater, they call it. Uh, but anyway, they did it on, they usually do it on Monday, uh, and then they have the pre-order for the new phones, uh, and hardware on Friday, which means Thursday at midnight, if you're totally obsessed. And this time though, they did it on Wednesday and I couldn't even watch it because I was, that's the first, they, it's always the same week of the Reno international air races, which I participate in with my civil air patrol squadron, which really kicks off on Wednesday. So I managed to watch like part of it and it just pissed me off that I could watch the whole thing. I don't know why they had to change it up, you know, two day lead time on pre-orders, which seemed a little weird. But anyway, um, let's talk about the watch real quick. So the new watch had some, the Apple Watch 4 had some pretty significant upgrades. Uh, First off, the watch from uh, Watch Series 3 and back came in a 38 millimeter and a 42 millimeter size. And now they come as 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters. So they changed all that. I heard just yesterday that the watch band that you had, if if you had, if you're going from, say, a 42 to a 44, like I am, then your watch band still fits. I'll be really surprised if that's true. Nobody has them yet, as far as I understand. I don't think they've come out. Maybe they did come out just a couple of days ago. But anyway, we'll see. I'll have to do some research on that. But uh, because I've already sold my old Series 3 and then I don't have the new one yet. And I told the guy he could have all my watch bands too. <laughs> I may have to <laughs> retract that statement a little bit. Anyway, so the new the new ones are, are two millimeters bigger across the board. If you're going from a 38 to a 44, you're going to notice a massive difference in size. So they did that. It's also edge to edge now. There's, um, It's actually uses quite a bit of the bezels display as I'm looking at my Series 3 right now, but they've just increased that a little bit. And now it's, it's, it's closer to the edge. So you've got not only a slightly bigger watch, but a lot more face. So it looks like way more than a two millimeter upgrade. It's actually closer to a four millimeter upgrade, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's actually pretty significant on this small of a device. Some of the other massive improvements is with, with that uh, with that new size, they've got some new watch faces. And, and one of the things that make these so 
functional is what they call complications. And complications are little interactions you have with apps that are on your watch that mirror functionality or work with apps on your phone. So I think the most I've seen in a certain watch face is maybe like one, two, three, four, like five complications. So you can have five different basically sources of information or things you can do on your watch in addition to the time. And they've got a watch face now that does eight and because they redesigned how the complications look on there. And it might sound cluttered, but the way that they did it is actually pretty slick. Uh, and it looks really good. It, it doesn't seem cluttered at all. So I'm really looking forward to that. A couple of other things they did are the heart rate sensor has been dramatically improved. And the watch will now alert you when your heart rate is not what it usually is. You know, If you're doing a workout, it turns that off because it knows your heart rate is going to accelerate. But if you're not doing a workout, it's going to sense that either asymmetrical rhythm in your heart rate or increased or decreased rhythm in your heart rate outside of your normal resting rate and then alert you and say, hey, we've detected some weird stuff going on with your heart. Do you want to make a 911 emergency call right now? And you can either say yes or no <laughs> and do that. And then it's also got fall detection. And I heard somebody say it's uh, Apple's version of I've fallen on, I can't get up. Mm -hmm. But basically, if you fall and it detects that, they showed the graphics on this, like when you fall, if you slip, backwards, like on ice or something like that, your arms go in a certain way that's uncharacteristic. If you, uh, plus there's the impact, well, which it can sense. So if it senses those two motions, plus the impact, or if you fall forward, or if you trip or something like that, they, 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 they mapped all these actions into very specific set of actions, basically conditional logic that says, if this, this, and this, then this, and the, then this is, it comes up with a notification that says, we've detected a heavy impact or a heavy fall. Uh, do you need assistance? And if you don't respond to that, if you don't dismiss it or anything, after a certain amount of time, it will just make the emergency call. Uh, and it will call 911 and it will call people on your list of emergency contacts that you have set in there. So that's pretty cool because you might not be able to respond to it. Um, you might be incapacitated or maybe you're knocked out and you know emergency help will be on the way. So that's going to be really good for... Um, Obviously, disabled people, elderly people, you know, just people in general walking around in the snow and ice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ice fishers. <laughs> ice fishers, right? I mean, you don't have to be old to slip on the sidewalk and knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> New Yorkers so, in general, I think. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's pretty neat. Uh, and then, of course, it's more waterproof. Uh, the GPS is, uh, is, is better. They just improved it all around. Uh, pretty significant hardware upgrade. Unlike a 10s version of the phone, uh, Watch Series 4 is a major upgrade. So have you heard anything about it, Paul? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to the watches. A lot of people around me have them, but um, I just, if I wear a watch, it's an old an analog watch. Actually, not yeah. old, just a you know, dime store analog watch. Sure. Uh, but it does sound like they're getting to that point that they, when they initially announced them as uh, being able to monitor a lot of health information, it does sound like they're, they're getting around to that in a, uh, a fairly comprehensive manner now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And I actually, I've been so happy with my Series 3 watch. Um, you know, I upgraded the, I got the one and then I got the two and then I got the Series 3 because I really wanted the cellular capability. So I went mm -hmm. to the Series 2 because it was waterproof. The Series 1 was great. The Series 2's major improvement was water resistance. You could take it swimming. Um, the Series 1, you couldn't take swimming. Uh, and the Series 3's major improvement was cellular capability. So I got the Series 3 because I wanted a data plan on my watch. Well, I, and I thought I would use that more, but it turns out in the last year that I've had a watch with a data plan on it, 
Uh, one time when I actually busted up my iPhone 10 and had to get a new one uh, on the insurance plan, for three days I was without a phone and my watch served as my phone. It unlocked my front door. I could check email. I could respond to text. I could do everything that I could do on my phone. I could do on my watch. And if I didn't have that, it would have been a serious impediment on my life. Like we have one key to our front door because when we rented this place, that's just what they gave us. And we never bothered having a second key made because we have that August lock that unlocks automatically when you get close to it with your phone. Well, it's linked to my watch as well. So I was able to still get in and out of and lock our front door and, and just do all the things I needed to do. So that really helped out having a data plan then, but literally no other time did having a data plan actually do me any purpose. So when I looked at upgrading this time, my reason for wanting to upgrade to the four is basically the bigger display, more functional watch, because I'll have more things that I can do on it and see on it at any one point in time. And then also the increased GPS effectiveness I like because I use a lot of the GPS features on the watch. Um, so that and then uh, I actually didn't get the one with the uh, cellular capability. Uh, I decided not to upgrade to that one. Part of the reason was price because I just didn't think it was worth it because they increased the price all around on these things. So now the cellular one's $500, $499. And then the uh, non-cellular is $399. So um, it used to be, I think, $399 and like $349 or something like that. But they are $299 and $349. Anyway, it was a pretty significant increase in price for the Series 4. Um, that being said, if you don't have an Apple Watch or you have one of the older ones and you want to upgrade the Series 3 now, non-cellular is, I think, 279 which is just a pretty good price for a highly functional device. Um, so it's waterproof and has good GPS and everything. Yeah, the Series 3. Let me look at this here real quick. And that's probably the 38 uh, millimeter as well, which is the smaller one. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Paul, you don't have a, a smartwatch right now, do you? No, I don't. Like I said, I, I tend to uh, just wear yeah. whatever uh, digital or analog watch I've got and nothing special. Uh, I brutalize watches. <laughs> you have a Casio calculator watch, don't lie. Uh, no, I had a, a Seiko calculator watch when I was 12, That's right. though, which is <laughs> pretty Seiko. cool. Um, that is pretty sweet. But the my the one I wear at work, the one I just took off so I wouldn't rattle it against the table or record it is a Timex. Nice, nice. All right, so it looks like the uh, Series 3 GPS is 279 starting at, and then the Series 3 GPS plus cellular, if you want that, is 379 so a $100 increase in that. Oh, and if you want the ridiculous Nike version, it's the same price. It was actually more expensive before, mm -hmm. but now it's the same price. It just gives you a different band and some exclusive watch faces in that particular watch. So anyway, it's a pretty good entry price into the Apple Watch Series 3. And the Series 3 is a fantastic watch. I mean, it's just really good. It's durable. I don't have any sort of case or anything on this, and I bang it against all kinds of stuff. And it still looks like brand new like the day I bought it. I mean, it's just incredibly durable and uh, and and really great. I take it swimming. I, I've taken it high altitudes and, you know, done all kinds of different things with it. And it's just never fails. It's just always great. So uh, I can't say enough about it. So yeah, let's move on in the last half of the segment and talk about the desktop uh, operating system. Paul, you've upgraded to Mojave, which is ten point fourteen, and I have not. So you're going to be you're going to be the one talking about that. So what what has your been your experience? So yeah, the uh, Mojave is is kind of the opposite thing for me versus iOS twelve. Um, I 
always upgrade immediately because I take good backups. And if I blow something up, I don't care. I've got great backups. I can always, uh, I can always revert. Uh, and also because I work in IT tech support at a school, I know that there are going to be people around that, uh, that upgrade fairly promptly too. You know, I know that, uh, that a lot of the kids really like to be, especially on their phones on beta versions, just so that they can find out what the newest thing is. Uh, but, uh, people with their home computers, some of the teachers will update immediately as soon as they can. So I upgrade as soon as I can as well. So today is the 25th of September and Mojave came out yesterday, the 24th. And as soon as I saw that, I saw, oh, awesome. I'm going to install it on my computer. And this is where it's the opposite of, um, of iOS 12. My, I have uh, two different personal computers. I've got one that I've talked about before. It's a MacBook uh, 2010 that I've upgraded a bunch. Um, a, about a month ago, I came across a beat up MacBook Air uh, from 2012, mm. but it's a <laughs> 2011 model. So I cleaned it up, I fixed the broken parts, and I've been using that as uh, as my main machine. I plugged in my uh, my MacBook in the house, and I leave it there online, but it, uh, the screen turned off, and I remote into it if I need something. But most of the things I'm working on, I just put up on Dropbox so I can share them between my home computer and my little... 11 inch MacBook Air that I can take with me everywhere. I've been loving it. It's been great. And when I went to install on that MacBook, it said it couldn't because uh, it won't install on MacBook Airs that are older than 2012. Oh, man. <laughs> so I know it won't install on that, uh, that 2010 MacBook either. And this is, um, this is actually a little frustrating to me because for me, with, um, with phones, as I said earlier on this episode, uh, I, when I know it's time to upgrade, it's when the software no longer installs, no longer works. I can no longer apply an operating system upgrade. I don't think I've ever had that happen to me with a laptop. With mm-hmm. the Macs, it's always that the laptop is just so old, it feels slow versus everything else I'm using. It's so old that the hinges are shot and it's, uh, you know, scuffed up and dinged up and it's no good, uh, physically. Um, mm-hmm. it's starting to, you know, the battery is shot. I've replaced it with an aftermarket and then that battery shot. And, you know, there's just a a series of physical uh, problems that have accumulated that, that I end up wanting to do it, but the operating system still installs and still works and still does fine. Well, not anymore this time. uh, (laughs) (laughs) However, I have access to another computer. I, um, I was at work yesterday. And so I looked at my MacBook air that I use at work, uh, 2015 model, I think, uh, 11 inch. And I said, yeah, I don't care. I've got good backups. And I went and installed it and set it to install as I went home and, uh, and came in this morning to work to find a new operating system on my machine. And, uh, I've been mm. using it all day. It's been totally rock solid, very stable, no problems. Um, I haven't really taken it for a spin to find the new features of it. I quickly looked at a couple of them. One of the marquee features of it is dark mode. Uh, which will you know, and before you could turn the menu bar and the dark and the dock dark uh, with just a setting in the uh, the general control panel, but now you can do that to the pretty much the entire operating system. It turns the uh, the dock and the menu bar dark, and then it'll also put an alternate dark scheme theme rather on uh, on all the windows. Uh, I tried that. I don't care for it. I switched it all back to light. But if that's something that you like, and I know a lot of people really do prefer dark mode on their on their devices, on their applications, on their computers, uh, that's there. But it's not for me reason enough to upgrade. 
There are other things that one of their other marquee features is a time shifting desktop, which is kind of cool, but um, I have no use for it. I like the desktop picture that I've gotten. <laughs> I don't need to look at this. Uh, it's actually a, on my work computer. It's a, a Landsat that image that I put together of my survey area for my dissertation in, uh, in Yemen. And it's, uh, it always gets, uh, gets interest from, uh, from the teachers when they come down for help, they look and say, what is that? Is that a microscopic <laughs> picture? Is that, and then I can explain to them a little bit about, um, about Yemen and a little bit about, uh, about how one uses multispectral imaging and can construct <laughs> false color images from them. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a teaching moment. But anyhow, so I don't need to replace that image because it's been on my desktop for years and I like it. That's a good, that's a good public outreach tool. Just put something interesting on there and get people to talk about it. <laughs> right. So, you know, those are the two top level marquee things. Desktop stacks is another feature that they have that they've been advertising that uh, if you're somebody that saves all your files to the desktop, and I know a lot of people do, it's a way of organizing it. I don't keep more than one or two things on my desktop. Uh, and yeah. usually it's what I'm working on currently. So I have, I've already organized it. Um, that's another feature that I don't need if you need it. So one of the marquee features they have too, a little farther down the list is editing and annotation of images. Uh, they have that built right into the finder. It's, uh, it's a neat feature. It's not earth shattering. But before, if you wanted to add text or annotate an image, for example, you'd have to open it up in preview and you could do that there. Now you can do that directly in the finder. If you want to say rotate a photo that was upside down or need to rotate it left or whatever, you can do that directly in the finder. So that that's handy, but it's, um, and it's nice. It's a refinement. Actually, refinement is probably how I feel about the operating system after a full days of, day of use versus the previous version. It's just that a lot of the things that you normally do are a little more refined than before, but not, not earth shatteringly so. And the one feature that I've seen so far that I do find I might make a fair amount of use is uh, that you can take photos or scan documents directly from your iPhone into, uh, into the finder or into app certain applications. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that I think is really kind of cool. I tried scanning a document and, um, and it's not as good uh, scanning the edge detection and cleanup as what I've been used to with Scannable, which I talked about many, many episodes ago as the app of the day segment. Uh, but it's certainly functional and it ends up right there immediately on your computer as opposed to in your phone when then you have to transfer it yeah. uh, as an extra step to your computer. So that's something that I can, I can definitely see I might be using. And, you know, I said earlier that I was taking pictures of serial numbers uh, on the back of equipment that, that we were sending off for recycling. And I did that in the phone and then I airdropped all those pictures to my computer not difficult, but had I uh, had I done this today rather than yesterday, uh, I could have taken all those pictures with my phone and have them gone directly into the uh, the computer into the document I was working on. So you know, again, refinements, but those mm -hmm. are a couple of neat features. So how come you haven't yet jumped in yourself? You seem to be an early adopter with most things. I am. I just haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time. It I, took about uh, <laughs> half an hour, 45 minutes to do the upgrade. So I kicked it I off know. just before I left work and uh, and it said that it still had about 20 minutes when I left. So, um, you know, if you want yeah. to do the upgrade, first of all, make sure you've got a good time machine backup. I have good time machine backups. Therefore, I'm never afraid to do an update or an upgrade because if it blows up, I'll just revert. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll lose time, but I won't lose data. And uh, and if you have that, then and you've got an extra, give yourself an hour just to be safe. Uh, you've got an extra hour after that. You can go and kick it. And most of that's going to be, you don't have to babysit. It'll just do it on mm-hmm. its own. Yeah. And I'll probably do it to my, uh, my iMac. Um, I've got the iMac 5K Retina that came out like three or four years ago. Uh, three years ago, I think I got it. So I've got that and I'll probably do it to that before I leave the office today. Mm-hmm. Um, my laptop is tough to do it on because I am on it like all the time. I'll probably have to try it, just kick it off before I go to bed. Um, cause I'm, I've usually got it up and running here at work next to my desktop cause I'm doing other things on it at the same time. And then when I go home, I'm, I'm working in the evening just, you know, while we're sitting in the living room and I've always got it on in front of me doing stuff. And, uh, so I'm probably just going to have to, to do the upgrade, like I said, right before I go to sleep and just let it run and, uh, wake up to a new operating system or a smoking pile of rubble, but this is only a year old laptop, so it should work. <laughs> it should work. I, uh, I'm not going to guarantee it, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah. it's been a long time, actually a very long time since I've seen anybody having yeah. OS update or a uh, an upgrade even that blew mm-hmm. things up. The, the problems I yeah. see are some older software, and we have a lot of kind of not regularly upgraded software that uh, out here in the ed tech world. Uh, older software that doesn't come along for the ride, but for the most part, um, the the upgrade itself is pretty harmless. Yeah, Apple will sometimes have issues like any software will. Um, but generally, when they hit that release date, uh, it's pretty good. You know, there's going to be some small stuff or or the occasional, sometimes there will be some big stuff that they didn't count on. But uh, most of the time, they've got a pretty good QA department and they, they won't release something and let users test it out <laughs> and then just do a, I feel like Microsoft does that. They just like, they'll just like, screw it, release it, and then they will release a bunch of patches in the next few weeks, you know, and we'll, we'll put that out. But uh, Apple doesn't typically typically do that, at least not for big things. Like I said, there's always something small. It's really, really complicated software. Anyway, I think that's about it for this week. Thanks for that insight, Paul, into Mojave. I'm glad that you looked at it uh, for this episode <laughs> because I had certainly not. So, Well, I'll chime in next time if, uh, if I find anything that I really like or that's important or right. if I find any gotchas here. But, you know, again, one day in, so far, so good. Great. Okay. Well, as I said, we're not going to do our app of the day segment. That's it for this episode. If you've got any experience with any of this stuff and uh, you want to chime in with what you like and don't like about it, then send uh, send me an email, chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com, or you can find both Paul and I's Twitter handles um, at the show notes. So uh, thanks for that. And we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Architect Podcast. Links to items mentioned on the show are in the show notes at www.archpodnet.com slash Archaeotech. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com and paul at lugal.com. Support the show by becoming a member at archpodnet.com slash members. The music is a song called Off-Road and is license-free from Apple. Thanks for listening. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network. Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada, at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com.
Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.